Hi, everyone. On this week's episode of Living with Blank, I have Chris in here to talk about her experience living with anterior cuneus nerve entrapment syndrome, also known as acnes. Thank you for joining. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. So let's just start from kind of just explaining what the condition is, since I think Mm -hmm. probably most people might have not heard of it before. Yeah, it's um, a lot of people haven't heard of it. And even um, a lot of medical professionals (laughs) don't really know a lot about um, acne or anterior cutaneous nerve entrapment. So essentially what it is, and I'm not a doctor, but I'll explain it best to my, to the best of my ability, but, um, basically it's when, um, the nerves in your, um, intercostal region. So your rib cage to your back, um, get entrapped. So in most people, um, the nerves that run from basically your spine throughout uh, your rib cage are able just to kind of move along seamlessly through the, the fascia and the muscles. Um, but for people who have acnes or develop acnes, um, it's some nerves can get entrapped and basically they get compressed in between, uh, the fascia. So it's kind of right under the skin and, um, the entrapment is what causes pain in, um, many of us. And sometimes the pain can be really debilitating. So, um, essentially that's what it is. And it's, interesting. So there's not a lot of research because it's a fairly newly diagnosed condition for most of us who, who live with it. Um, so there's not a lot of research done as to why people, um, develop this. Um, but there's some, you know, preexisting, um, factors that come into play. So pregnancy or multiple pregnancies, weight gain or loss, um, and trauma or surgery to the abdomen can sometimes cause this nerve entrapment. So, that's kind of a, a brief rundown on what it yeah. is. Okay. So like, what are the symptoms? Is it mainly pain? Is there other symptoms besides pain? So, um, for, for many of us, um, it usually starts off with kind of pain that's pretty intense. Um, so it, to me, the way I describe it to people is it feels almost like an electric shock through your body, but in your abdomen region. Mm-hmm. So it starts off with um, pretty intense pain. And then um, because it's the nerve that's involved, then that pain can kind of change. So it can start to feel like burning under the skin. It can start to feel dull and achy. Um, and then that kind of can progress Um And so you're basically unable to do many activities. So our core, right, kind of holds us in place and Mm -hmm. helps us to move and do daily activities, even sitting, right? So um, it can really be um, debilitating in that sense because a lot of the things that uh, kind of trigger um, a flare-up of this pain for people is uh, sitting, bending, lifting things, movement, exercise, um, you know, a lot of people, um, as it kind of progresses or if it goes undiagnosed, they, um, they need to be completely off work just because the pain can get so intense for them. And the one way to relieve that pain is for most of us to lie completely flat and still, and then it kind of goes away. So it's really, um, kind of difficult to, uh, explain the pain if you haven't had it and it's not anything I can really even 
describe um, uh, the way I explain it to other people is if you've ever had like your sciatic nerve pinched, it's kind of like that because it's that sharp shooting pain um, that's uh, basically it's the nerve that's compressed. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds quite annoying to deal with. Yes. (laughs) So can we just start from pretty much the beginning when you first either like experienced your first symptoms and then I guess we can get into kind of diagnosis after this, I guess, because I'm sure there's probably some, I'm sure it took a few doctors until you actually got diagnosed. It did. (laughs) Yeah. But we can just start from kind of like your first symptoms and like how long this has been. Sure. Yeah. So back in I want to say it was around April, end of April, early May of 2020. So about a year ago now, um, I started to develop um, that kind of shock like pain. And it was on, for me, it's, it's in my upper abdomen. So um, the nerves that are affected kind of higher up for me are always are kind of my pain or trigger spots, they call them. Um, so I was experiencing pain on and off for a few days. And I kind of just ignored it. Like I just thought, Oh, like I might've pulled something. I do a lot of yoga. So I thought maybe I like just overworked my muscles or whatever and just tried to rest. And then it didn't go away. And I noticed like it would progressively get worse throughout the day. So, you know, in the morning it would be okay. And then I would, as I would kind of do things or whatever, um, in the evening it would get really bad. And I remember being out one day and, um, we were getting stuff for like, I was, it was at the point of the pandemic where everyone was gardening. Right. So I was like going out because I wanted to like plant my vegetable garden or whatever. So I was out and, um, I remember just feeling like pain constantly just, and so I was like, okay, I need to go to the hospital. Like something isn't right. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. we know kind of like, if we feel pain, we should get it checked out. There's something going on here. So I thought it was, you know, um, maybe, my gallbladder or pancreas or something. That's what I was thinking appendix even. Uh, so I went to the hospital, they checked me for everything. And of course everything was fine. Everything looked good. Um, and, uh, so they diagnosed me at that point with gastritis or GERD, which is a common diagnosis, basically saying I had heartburn, um, which looking back, like I can understand how doctors might think that because the symptoms Uh are pretty close. I was explaining like it was, I was getting this kind of like pain intermittently and this burning pain that would come and go. Right. And where it was, it could very well have been heartburn. So they gave me, um, you know, uh, a diagnosis of GERD and sent me off with a, uh, prescription for like Prilosec or something like that for two weeks and told me to take that and follow up with my doctor. And so I did. And of course, like I was hoping, cause at that point I was like, okay, yeah, like maybe I have gastritis, like this is all new to me. And so I was taking that and trying to be really careful with like what I was eating, but it didn't work and it didn't change anything. So then in, I like waited a while because, you know, doctors tell you, well, maybe you need to be on the medication for a little bit uh-huh. longer. So give it another few weeks. So I did. And by this time it was almost July and, um, I said to my doctor at that point, like, it's still not going away. Like I'm still experiencing pain. I don't know what's going on. The burning's getting worse at this point. So then she tested me for, um, H pylori, which is a bacterial infection, um, that can cause ulcers, uh, or 
peptic ulcers in your stomach. So I was tested for that and I actually came back positive for H. pylori. Um, and I was treated for that. And I was hopeful at that point, like, okay, this is what it is. Like it is digestive in nature and I can get rid of this with antibiotics. So I went on antibiotics for about two weeks. Um, and another, uh, prilosaic or proton pump inhibitor and, you know, tried to heal my stomach or that's what I thought at that point. And it still didn't go away. Like it didn't get any better at all. Um, I went to several doctors after that point. I remember going back to the hospital again because I was having really bad burning pain. Um, and at one point I remember going to the hospital and explaining to them, like, I'm feeling it in this specific spot and it's worse, like upon movement and like, I can't reach for items in my cupboard. I can't do my like activities of daily living essentially mm-hmm. are all affected by this pain. And they, again, kind of like just brushed it off and said it was probably heartburn. At one point, one doctor said, maybe it's like a hiatal hernia or something like that from the, the your gastritis. And, um, but it didn't really ever make sense to me because I was like, I was in all these support groups for H. pylori and gastritis and like everything that everyone else was explaining, I didn't have, like, I didn't have any Uh other digestive symptoms. So I just kept kind of pushing. And I remember going to another doctor and just like begging at that point to see someone else. And, um, so he referred me to a a gastroenterologist, a GI. Um, I was like, okay, well maybe this is good. Like I can get seen by a specialist and maybe they'll know. And it was a brand new GI. Like I remember he said, well, he might take you sooner because, um, he just started his practice and I live in Canada. So there's not a lot of choices. Like I, Uh you know, I, I'm going to take who I can see first. And so, um, I was a little bit leery, I remember. And then I had the consult with him and I was explaining to him everything. And he said, well, at this point, like, it doesn't sound like it's gastrointestinal. Like it's, it's worse upon movement. It's worse on exercise. And it sounds like it's acnes or anterior cutaneous nerve entrapment, which I thought like, I don't know what that is. And yeah. I almost didn't believe him at first. Cause I was like, I've never heard of this. I don't, I, I feel like, you know, that can't be what it is. It can't just be a nerve. Um, but then I started researching it more and, um, you know, I joined a different, uh, Facebook support group on, on acnes and realized like, yeah, this totally is what I have. Like, this is what I've had all along. And, um, although I may have had H pylori along with it, that wasn't what was causing this pain. Um, and it totally makes sense as to why none of those things were helping me. So, um, that's kind of how I got diagnosed. Um, and then, my treatment plan kind of changed because before Uh that I was treating like all these digestive issues, right. I was on so many different supplements for digestion and medications. So, so many different types of medications for digestive issues that I probably didn't really need. And so, um, the, my doctor at that point said like, yeah, you need to just go off of those and, um, we'll see how, uh, the pain kind of progresses but here are some things you can do. So, um, there are some things you can do for acne at home before getting treatment, but really ultimately, um, the only way to treat it is either uh, trigger point injections or surgery where they remove the nerve or neurectomy. Okay. What are some of like the other, like at home treatments? Is it kind of like exercise and diet or 
Yeah. So the at-home treatments for acne is, um, that you can do, uh, so that he suggested. So heat therapy is really good. So heating pads, right. Uh-huh. Um, heating kind of just, it's, it's great for pain and especially chronic pain. Um, you can, uh, capsaicin cream. So capsaicin is like from hot chili peppers uh-huh. and it's actually, uh, they have a cream form. And so, um, you can use that on your trigger spots and it kind of helps numb the pain. The problem with capsaicin cream is it's really, really bad. If you get it anywhere else on your body, yeah. and you have to use it four times a day for it to work. So that's a little bit tricky and that can be hard long-term if you have this chronic condition, which really doesn't go away on its own. Usually, um, uh-huh. I know there's maybe some people who it, who it has, but for most people it hasn't, um, the other things you can do are physiotherapy, acupuncture works for some people, dry needling works for some people. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the, the trigger point injections work, I think statistics say in about 70% of people. So it's pretty good. Uh-huh. And so the trigger point injections, basically, um, they're either guided ultrasound injections going into the nerves where your kind of pain spots are. And the thought is, is it kind of breaks up the, the fibers or the tissue that's kind of damaged and entrapping the nerve. So it can heal on its own. Um, and also kind of numb the pain at the same time. That makes sense. So that's kind of, um, the, the, the treatment that's most readily used, um, for, for people who live with acne and then, um, neurectomy is the kind of next step. If those trigger point injections don't work. Okay. So like what kind of treatments are like you doing? And then is this in the future of you getting either one of those treatments? Mm -hmm. Is that like something that's easy to get or is it a little complicated? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I'm kind of at the stage of, uh, right now. So I was kind of doing, um, you know, I was doing physiotherapy. I was doing acupuncture. Those things kind of worked a little for me, but not great. Uh-huh. Um, the capsaicin cream, like I said, works, but you have to use it four times a day. Yeah, a <laughs> and lot. you have to remember, it's just not, it's, yeah, it's not an easy uh, thing to remember to use. Plus you really can't touch anything else. So it's, that's difficult. I do use the heat therapy a lot. Um, and also I didn't really talk about medications. So there are medications that people can take for, for acne. Um, so the medications that are usually prescribed are specifically for nerve pain. So that's, uh, gabapentin, um, and amitriptyline and also, uh, Cymbalta. Um, so those are kind of the, the most common, uh, Uh prescribed pain meds. And the reason those are prescribed is because it's thought that tricyclic antidepressants or the SNRI, which is, um, Cymbalta work better for nerve pain than uh, like opioids or opiates, yeah. uh, which some people are prescribed, but they're, they're not, um, necessarily recommended for us in, in the acne world. So, um, you can also take those medications prior to getting, um, you know, the trigger point injections, or some people end up staying on those medications for forever, right. Just to uh-huh. help with that nerve pain. So for me, right now, um, actually 
just as of yesterday, I talked to my doctor about taking something because um, in Canada where I live um, and specifically in the city I live in, I think there's only two um, doctors in um, Manitoba where I live that are currently able to do trigger point injections. So the wait list plus COVID, it's a long wait. So I could be waiting potentially quite a while. Um, So I did talk to my doctor about, um, you know, considering a medication. um, And I was a little bit leery about taking amitriptyline and gabapentin. Both are pretty sedating for people. So um, I opted to try um, Cymbalta, which is an SNRI. So it kind of works on different chemicals in the brain and hoping that will kind of help but that's kind of where I'm at so I'm waiting at this point for trigger point injections and I'm hoping they'll work and I don't have to you know get surgery but um we'll see how that goes and obviously even with medication it takes a while (laughs) to kick it yeah definitely so like the were you like very relieved once you got this diagnosis kind of I'm sure just the uncertainty about it's kind of just very stressful (laughs) yes That's a big part of it. I think for me, and I think for what I've learned, like, because not a lot of people have ever heard about anterior cutaneous nerve entrapment. Like when I tell people, they're like, oh, I've never heard of that. Or what is that? Right. And so, um, but it's actually the most common type of undiagnosed abdominal pain. Like they feel like a lot of people probably have had it or had it without being diagnosed and it can go misdiagnosed or undiagnosed completely. And so I think once you get a diagnosis, that kind of relieves a lot of fears because in my head, I was like, what if I have like stomach cancer or, you know, like, I don't know the worst case scenario. And, um, so yeah, I think a part of it is like, okay, so I, I can feel the pain, but that's, you know, my, nerve that's entrapped. And I, I realize like, that's what it is because, um, it's, I think very different than like, if you think about like back pain, or let's say you have uh, shoulder pain or even sciatica, right? Like you can kind of identify it. It's more well-known. So you can kind of live with it almost a little bit better. Right. And, um, wow. because you just know, like, this is what it is. And when you don't have any idea what's going on, I remember at one point, like I thought I was having like a heart attack because it's in my chest. Like I had no idea what was going on for me. And um, so I think that knowing does relieve some of that stress for sure. Yeah, definitely. Did you, was there like something that you kind of, was there like one thing that you said that kind of like switch the light bulb on for your doctor that he's like, Oh, that has to be acne's. Like, is there something that you yeah. think other people in the future, this could help other people? You know what it was? It was explaining to him, just like I explained it um, here too, that it kind of felt like a sciatic nerve. Like, uh-huh. I think that's what triggered for him. Like it is in the nerve. It's under the skin. It's not in her stomach. And I also, um, the, the other thing that I pointed out to him specifically was like, it is in one or maybe two spots, but very small spots on my abdomen. Um, and so usually when it's, um, you know, internal, uh, like your stomach or organs, the pain is usually a bit more diffuse, like it's all over. And so when I was explaining that, it's like, 
I can pinpoint it. I can show you exactly where it was. I think that that kind of a light bulb went on, right? Uh-huh. There was that, that isn't what he knew that it wasn't in my stomach. We were dealing with something different. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you said like that in the mornings it's better and then at the evenings it get worse. Kind of like, do you think mm-hmm. kind of just like doing activities during the day kind of just makes it worse or? Yeah, I like in talking to a lot of people, um, it tends to actually there was even, there's even some the limited research there is um, that shows when kind of people show up to the hospital with acne, it always tends to be kind of in the evening or nighttime. And they think, they don't know, but like you said, it's just kind of doing those activities. It's always kind of better in the morning. You were asleep, right? So you're kind of lying still, maybe Uh flat on your back. That's kind of the best position for people with acne. So it tends to just get progressively worse throughout the day. So yeah, even sitting, texting, like any of those things that you're doing, driving for some people can just irritate Uh and aggravate it. So um, that's kind of the thought why it gets worse (laughs) throughout the day. Does it affect your sleep? Like, do you ever wake up in the middle of night, just like rolling over? Yeah, Yeah, the problem. Yeah. The problem for me too, is like, I've been a side sleeper my whole life and, um, I tend to like the side. So my left side and that's where my pain is. So I constantly wake up and realize like I'm on that side. I try really hard to sleep on my back. Um, but that's tough. So yeah, it can definitely affect your sleep and, um, which affects your whole day. Right. So yeah, exactly are some days better than others? Does it get, is it like a series of days or? Yeah, it tends to get a little bit worse or I would say like a day after I do a bunch of activities. So like this past weekend, I was like moving stuff because we were having our house painted and it was Mm -hmm. really bad. So, um, the next day or two days after I had a really bad flare up. If I'm not doing anything, I actually noticed in the summer when I was like on vacation for two weeks, cause I have a desk job. Most of the time I'm sitting uh-huh. at my desk at home, um, working. And I noticed like the two weeks while I was on vacation, it was actually much better because I wasn't sitting. I was doing other activities. You know, I was maybe swimming yeah. with my kids or whatever, just kind of relaxing. Um, and so I think that, yeah, it get it's worse when, when you do more, um, mm-hmm. and kind of, if you push yourself a little bit also not that this directly correlates with acnes, but a lot of people say this as well, that if, um, it's not a digestive issue. However, if you have digestive issues on top of it, so let's say even if you eat something that kind of bothers your stomach or, you know, you're bloated, um, that intra abdominal pressure can push onto the nerve as well. So anything like that, you, like, I try to be pretty careful with what I eat just because it can affect how I'm feeling. Yeah. Are you on like a restrictive diet because of this or? Yeah, for me, I, um, when I first, um, was kind of diagnosed with, um, gastritis, I, I was trying to figure out like what diet would work best for me and, and, you know, 
thinking that it was digestive. So I tried different things. I cut out dairy, gluten, um, spicy food, coffee, like all those regular things they tell you to cut out when you have gastritis. Um, I reintroduced a lot of foods, but I did stick to a gluten-free diet in the end because, um, I found for me, gluten really causes me a lot of bloating. I'm just not able to digest it well. So when talking to my GI, um, he felt like, yeah, like if it is helping and it's preventing me from having those kind of episodes of bloating, then I should just continue on. So I am, I have been gluten-free for about nine months. Yeah, definitely. I know that's a very common thing with a lot of different diseases where they kind of, I did the exact same thing. I did like the autoimmune protocol diet. And exactly. It definitely helps. I know it's, I'm sure it's probably similar where for some people it helps much more than others and it's exactly. just case by case kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Do you have like an idea how you kind of got this or just yeah. like, I'm sure it's just guesses, but. <laughs> I know I, you know, I tried to think back to like, because my physiotherapist, my doctor, everyone like has asked me that, like, you know, was there something that happened? Like, did you have a fall or whatever? And I can't really pinpoint it to something specific other than if I go back to April and May of last year. So like I said, at the beginning of the interview, I was determined I was going to have my pandemic garden. And so I um, decided to dig out a garden in my backyard And it was shortly after that, like I was getting stuff for gardening that I kind of started feeling it. So that could have triggered something, but I feel like I probably had some um, symptoms even before. Um, And going back to my last pregnancy, so my daughter now is seven, but in that pregnancy, I felt similar pains at that time. And I kind of just talked it up to like, Oh, you know, like it's just pregnancy pains or it's Braxton Hicks or whatever. Um, but thinking now, like it felt very, very similar to this. And I know pregnancy or the thought is, is that pregnancy can contribute to acnes. And, um, you know, I'm right in the middle of that age range. Most people who are diagnosed with acnes are, uh, female between the ages of 30 and 50, I turned 40 this year. Like I'm right there. Uh So I feel like I have a lot of those kind of risk factors and I just don't really know. So other than the gardening thing, and maybe I just overdid it and like pulled something or just it triggered, um, a flare up, a really bad flare up. Um, I don't really know. I know you said you're in a support group, like what are kind of like other people are saying, do they say, like, are the people saying pregnancies also is kind of like one idea more than more popular than others? There's, I have to say like on the support group I'm in on Facebook, it's predominantly women. So most of us are female. Most of us have had babies and most of us are in that age range, right? Like middle, middle age, 30 to 50, I'd say. Uh Um, There are some people though, who are talking like kids can get it too. So I know that there's cases of kids experiencing, um, acnes. I know there's a few males in the group. Um, so, but yeah, it's almost like a mystery. Like we all kind of try to talk about it and kind of figure it out. Like what, you know, where did we get it? A lot of, 
Um, there are a few people in the group too, who've lost a lot of weight, um, or have gained weight. And there is some belief that that could contribute. Um, I, myself, like before my last pregnancy, I did lose over hundred pounds. So there is that component, like maybe there is something and, you know, they don't really know why, but that is a risk factor. So either gaining or losing weight, um, could come into play. Um, and then there's some people who've had surgeries, right? So, um, some people in the group have had abdominal surgeries that, um, they feel that might have, you know, kind of, um, irritated the nerves, right. Cutting through the skin essentially, basically, or the muscle, um, and that can come into play. So yeah, there's a variety of different people and, um, but there's no kind of consensus on why, we end up with, um, this condition. Yeah. I know the same thing for my condition with alopecia. Yeah. They pretty much just say like stress. That's like the most like right. popular one. <laughs> I, I feel yeah. like that's what they say about almost all diseases. Like if they can't exactly. they do something else, they just say stress. Yeah. <laughs> just give um, you that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, do like you said, there was, do they think this could also be genetic at all or not really? I don't know. I know that there's a doctor in Boston who works in, um, pediatrics. Um, Uh and he's, a um, he works with children mostly. And I feel like most of the time, um, they don't really know, like they don't really know why it happens for kids. Um, but usually there's an event that triggers it. So in children, it's usually an event that triggers, like, um, you know, they pick up a big boulder of snow or something and then uh-huh. they're triggered. So it's kind of more, uh, I think it's thought to be more uh, mechanical, like yeah. in nature. I don't know though. It, it very well could be genetic. I think it's just so new that they just don't have enough research done. Yeah. I mean, on the internet, there's very, there's very little, I mean, first of all, there's no Wikipedia page. So I feel like that right there is kind of like (laughs) just showing how there's not much. There's not much. I feel like that has to be, we say it's a little annoying that there's not much or kind of like, it's very annoying. And so for me, like I felt very isolated and alone. I mean, Thankfully I found this Facebook group. Um, and then I started my own Instagram group because there's just not enough people talking about this. And I also feel like it is a common, um, underdiagnosed and misdiagnosed condition. And people need to know, like, this could be the cause of your abdominal pain, especially for people who have all these gastrointestinal issues that aren't being relieved by medication or, Uh you know, and, and I don't feel that um, doctors or especially ER doctors really know about um, anterior cutaneous nerve entrapment. So I really felt it was important to kind of share my story with people and, and get the word out because of course you need to talk to your doctor and not everybody who has abdominal pain is this isn't going to be yeah, it for definitely. everybody, but it could be right. So it's just another thing just to be aware of. So, yeah, I was, I was kind of frustrated <laughs> with the the lack of um, information online. Yeah. I saw that they have this test that they could use. Is it like a car yeah. test or a car heart? Yeah. The car test. So the car test is really good. And any doctor can do it and you can actually do it on yourself at home. <laughs> so that's, yeah. I was actually in, I remember I was in 
an H. pylori support group. And this um, girl reached out to me and she sent me the Carnets test. And she said at that point, like, you should try this on yourself um, because your pain sounds like it might be abdominal wall pain. And I totally ignored it. Like I ignored the message when she sent it to me because I was like, no, absolutely. My pain is digestive. I think I have an ulcer. Like I was just down that road. Right. Uh-huh. Um, but she sent this to me. And so I went back in my messages um, after I had talked to my doctor and I tried it on myself. So it's a really easy test. Basically, um, you kind of find your trigger point. And the idea is, is if you flex your abdominal muscles, so either by lifting your legs up, um, so lying flat and then lifting your legs up or lifting your head and shoulders up almost like you're doing a crunch and putting pressure on that point. If it gets worse, then it's likely to be abdominal wall pain. If your pain actually gets better, then it's likely um, intra-abdominal pain, so in the stomach. So there's two kind of um, things potentially that it could be. And if the the pain gets better, then um, it's likely more intra-abdominal, so either in your organs or your stomach. But if the pain is worsened, it's likely abdominal wall pain. And doctors don't tend to do this. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just very interesting um, that, you know, you can do this test on your own. So I, of course, after I talked to my GI, I did it um, on myself and it definitely got worse. Um, I wouldn't suggest doing it if you don't have to or yeah. doing it a lot because your pain can can really be exasperated by it, especially like you know, after you perform it, but it is a good test to use. So if people, you know, think that, oh, maybe they do have, um, abdominal wall pain or acne, um, just Google Carnet's test and you'll find how to kind of perform that or ask your doctor about it. Okay. That's good that this, at least you could self, you pretty much can self-diagnose it. You can, you can totally self-diagnose it. And if, you know, you, um, you, feel like, yeah, it's, I was positive. I was having more pain. At least you can bring that to your doctor and say like, this is what I found online. So it's something, it's a tool at least. You said you can like pinpoint it is, is it in the same spot always? Like, do you, does ever kind of move? Is it multi, you said it's two spots you kind of can pinpoint? Yeah, I have two spots. So I have um, one kind of right below my rib cage and then one kind of like above my belly button. Um, but it moves, it does. So those are kind of like my main trigger points, I think, yeah. but sometimes because it's nerve, it's nerve pain, it moves kind of laterally. Um, the burning kind of will shoot down. Sometimes it even goes to the other side completely. So, but it's kind of always in line for me. So I kind of have those two specific spots. Um, but there's other people, like I do know, like some people only have one spot, but some people have multiple spots, um, and sometimes on both sides, but it's usually on the lateral edge of the abdominal wall. Um, I, I know one person, um, that I've, um, encountered, she said she has, it's more like right under her belly button, but it's not typically in the middle. It's more to the side. So kind of in one of the quadrants. Uh Uh-huh. Do you, is there like one, not one thing, but maybe like one or two things that like really trigger this, that like, you definitely would not recommend anyone to do at all. Um, I think it's pretty dependent on the person because everybody's spot is kind of different, Uh but for me, the worst, (laughs) 
the worst thing to do is just be sitting and not being mindful of your posture. So slouching, like I Uh feel like that instantly triggers for me um, pain. And so that, and obviously not doing (laughs) sit-ups or anything that flexes your abdominal muscles, like avoiding workouts. Um, I used to do yoga a lot and I really had to modify. I can't do any core exercises like that. So I have to be really mindful of that. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to wrap up. I kind of just asked ask one more question. And mm-hmm. since it's been about a year since kind of you first had symptoms, like what's something that from this time you kind of wish you knew from the beginning, like that you can like go back or tell someone that just got diagnosed with acne? Like what's something that you kind of wish you knew? I think two things. I well, first of all, I wish I had, you know, performed the Carnets test earlier. Like I just looked into it. Like I didn't Uh ignore it and just kind of thought like, oh no, my doctors know what they're talking about. It's digestive. And so I wish I kind of did that just to look at, you know, the, the whole picture there. Um, because if I did, it might have impacted how I treated it going along. Right. And then I think secondly, and this is so new because I just talked to my doctor about medication yesterday. I think there's still a stigma, I want to say, like, in taking medication for pain. And so, and I'm, I feel like guilty of that, because I tried so hard, like, and but why, right? Like, what am I trying to prove? And who, who am I trying to prove that to? Um, So not being afraid to look at everything and looking at all options, including medications um, for for yourself, because living in pain every day is tolling and it like it can impact your not just your physical well-being but your mental well-being so i think that those are the two things i would say um to anyone who's kind of living with acne yeah thank you so much for doing this i definitely learned a lot and i hope maybe someone listening to this they this could help them actually get diagnosed with acne and just kind of it seems that once you get diagnosed it can really just make I, I mean just as you said your mental health like I can exactly. see how getting that diagnosis like and knowing that okay this is what I have and this is what we can do to fix it. I feel like that's just could help anyone so who exactly. knows maybe someone listening this could help them I hope so yeah yeah so thank you again this was great as always and I guess we'll wrap it up on that one. So I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. And on that note, we are done.